It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, Falcomaniacs. Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Faulkner, joined, as always, on during Monday Night Football by my co-host, Jeff Faulkner. Jeff, this is the second last Monday Nighter of the Fantasy Regular Season. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, not too bad, man. I'm still, like, <laughs> I feel, like, on edge and shaky after that Steelers-Ravens game yesterday. It took years off my life, and, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, sorry, I thought we just witnessed the end of Josh Allen there. He got smashed. But, uh, yeah, this Monday Night Football game is flying by. But, yeah, that Steelers-Ravens game yesterday was absolutely bananas, and I actually had to shut it off at one point during dinner because I was getting so worked up. But uh, we pulled out a big W, so I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm in three leagues this year fantasy-wise. The one has been a total rebuild. The other two, I'm, I'm really confident in uh, my positioning and, and, and the teams I have going in the playoffs. So it's an exciting time of year, man. How are you doing? Yeah, like I'm I'm pretty good. I'm in okay shape. I'm I believe I'm going to be in the playoffs in all four of my leagues uh this year. There's one that I'm kind of on the bubble one and I'm struggling a little bit with some injuries and uh you know, kind of suffering from uh, a, a trade or two that maybe didn't work out my way. But uh, I'm right in the mix of things. Um, in our Sorry for Partying League, I, I pulled out a big win this week to, to keep myself in playoff contention. And we were just talking about it off the air. And the LOEG Falcomaniacs still rolling along. The meme machine still rolling. After starting 0-5, we are now at a record of 8-5 and going into week number 14. So not a for sure thing yet, but feeling pretty good about the direction that my team's heading in here. And hopefully that's the way you you're feeling there, listeners. This is the time where uh, you know all that hard work we've been doing it since the springtime. Some of us since before the NFL draft. You're prepping. You're mock drafting. You're putting together. You're making moves. You're making waiver wire pickups and tough choices. And now we're just about to get to the fun part. We've got one more week of regular season fantasy football to get to, and then uh, the playoffs. That's what it's all about. Playoffs, baby. But. Before we get to that, some of us need to win this week. This is a crucial week in the fantasy season, and we are here for you, Falcomaniacs. Make sure you uh, listen in on Friday. We'll have all the matchup previews on Friday's show. And as well, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Football. Uh, we have a lot of breaking news there, and um, you know, just, just a little more Kyle and a little more Jeff to help you get through your week. Oh, I'm looking at I mean, whose week doesn't get better with a little more Kyle? Uh, <laughs> dude, before we get into the meat and potatoes this episode, let's go to the jersey swap. This is episode number 84. We're getting into some exciting names with these uh, jersey numbers. So which one of these jerseys would you wear? Number 84, Antonio Brown. Joey Big Play Galloway. Randy Moss. Score Darrell Patterson. I know somebody that's near and dear to your heart this year. Shannon Sharp or Roddy White? That's the list I put together for this one. Which one of those jerseys would you rock? Oh, I like it. Just some classic, you know, some classic high skill football players. Not high school, high skill. Um, <laughs> as it stands right now, I think I would go. Uh, I think I would go for the Randy Moss. I think I'd try to find a nice, you know, a little bit of a throwback purple. But let me say this: if somehow, by some, you know, miracle, the football gods bestow upon the Me Machine a winning season this year. Take it all the way to the Fantasy Falcon Championship. I'm telling you right now on the podcast, I will be rewarding my team's hardworking manager, a.k.a. me, with an 84 Cordell Patterson jersey because he was one of the first wow. moves we made this season. 
we, I mean me and the uh, imaginary football players on my team, uh, we picked him up early on, and uh, it has paid dividends all season long. He's uh, he's well on the way to being the Mean Machine team MVP this year. So if we get it done, mark my words, I'll be wearing ugh, a Falcons eighty four. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I'm going so here. I, I'm going with AB just because I already own one. But I'm going to tell a quick story <laughs> about that. So he was a Steeler, all-time great Steeler wide receiver. Obviously, uh, my wife got me his jersey for Christmas um, after he had helped me win multiple fantasy championships, and uh, you know just had already had to kind of establish himself as an all-time great. Uh, so I get that jersey for Christmas the next day. The jer- uh, Christmas was Saturday. Um, sorry, Friday or Thursday, I apologize. The next day was Friday. The next day, AB decides he's not going to show up to practice and all the drama unfolds with the Steelers and it all crumbles and falls apart. So I could never rock the Jersey. Um, but I do have it in a closet. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. Our, uh, our two year old son, he's got a little mini, uh, a little mini AB 84 Steelers Jersey hanging up in the closet. He hasn't had too many chances to wear it though. Yeah, what a shame, and he's in more, even more trouble now. But anyways, that's yeah. what we're going with the jersey swap. <laughs> we got tons to cover in this episode, so let's go to the opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. All right, so last week, uh, you know, I, I had a little bit of a game for you, Jeff, with uh, fantasy playoff strength of schedule. Um, now this week I wanted to take this uh, segment to talk about something that teams, you know, if you haven't already started planning this way, this is the time to do it. And I'm talking about that one position that, you know, it tears leagues apart. Should we keep it? Should we not? But this is the one of the the auxiliary positions. So the auxiliary positions are kind of, you know, tight end, kicker, and, uh, and team DST, defense special teams. This is the one that of those three seems to have the most consistent ability to sometimes win you or lose you your week. And when it comes to fantasy playoffs, it is so critical to get those points because you one loss and you're out of there, right? Single elimination. So we are talking about fantasy football defenses. Now, Looking all the way to championship week, it doesn't work out like this every year, but for some reason in 2021, fantasy championship week, this is the week that you will be rewarded, you know, seemingly, if you've been holding on to one of those top defenses. The Patriots are playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Buccaneers are playing the New York Jets. The San Francisco 49ers are playing the Texans. The Bills are playing the Atlanta Falcons. The Rams are playing Baltimore, which doesn't sound like a great matchup until you remember that Lamar Jackson has like 10 interceptions in the last week. Um, but uh, you've got to get there first, right? It's great to have that set up for championship week, but that's no good when you get knocked out in the quarterfinals. So I looked ahead a little bit at some of the teams that, um, you know, maybe of the three weeks of playoffs. Now we're talking about most fantasy leagues, right? Most fantasy leagues expanded their regular season by one week. So we're playing into week 14 and then most are done week 17. They don't uh, hold their championship game during the last week of the NFL um, season. And if you're a league that does, if you decide to go to week 18, maybe you want to talk about changing that up next year so that, uh, you know, you're doing things right. 
But uh, these are the teams that if you if you're in a position where you've got one of these on your roster, you're you're in pretty good shape for one or even maybe two of them. So if you've got the Buffalo Bills, like I mentioned, they play Atlanta Week 17 in the first week of the playoffs. They'll be going up against it appears to be Cam Newton and some form of Carolina Panthers offense. Now, Miami, you know, very disappointing, but this is where we have to stay flexible because as disappointing as they've been at the start of the season, they've been a totally different team. They've got the Jets in the first week of playoffs, and they're going to be taking on the Titans, and we don't know what that offense is going to look like in Week 17. So Miami might be a good uh, one that we want to roll out there. Now, San Francisco, they've got three in a row. Uh, Atlanta in week 15, Tennessee, again, you know, we don't know who the weapons are going to be. AJ Brown's out, Julio, we'll talk about him a little bit later on. Um, we don't know what will happen in the running game. Uh, Tennessee and then Houston in championship week. So San Francisco, they could kind of carry you potentially through the fantasy playoffs pretty good. Buccaneers, I mentioned, they have the Jets in week 17, but they've also got Carolina week 16. And the Cardinals, in the first week of the playoffs, the Cardinals have a good matchup against the Detroit Lions. But you've got to be thinking ahead, right, Jeff? I, and I'm not teasing. I know that it doesn't always work out, and you, yeah, can, share, just, oh. you can share your experience <laughs> again uh, with maybe some new listeners. Yeah, why don't you tell us, you know, the best laid plans well, sometimes yeah. go to waste. Yeah, I mean, last year I was in a really good position. I think I started 11-0 and and kind of clinched a playoff spot very early. And so I started planning ahead for the playoffs, you know, almost midway through the regular season. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I picked up the Los Angeles Rams because they had a juicy, juicy matchup against the terrible New York football Jets in week 15. And uh, it was a defense I sat on. There was, you know, decisions between the time I picked them up and when they played where, you know, do I pick this guy up and drop the second defense or whatever the case was. I ended up riding them and the could was so excited to start them week 15. And it was just absolute dudsville. They got, uh, I think, maybe negative one point or zero point goose egg and uh it was a big part of the reason i got eliminated early last year so yeah i mean sometimes you do all the work and uh, you you know you appreciate the process but the results aren't where you want them to be and uh, that's fantasy football in a nutshell absolutely and i think that was bad for everybody because uh, wasn't that the game that the jets uh kind of knocked themselves out of contention for the number one overall pick by accident as well it was just that was just all around yeah, a bad right. a no bad sense. week for decision making yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yep so sometimes it's not going to work out but uh, a lot of those defenses that I mentioned already, though, Jeff, you know, Buffalo and Arizona and San Francisco and New England, um, the like I said, these are the highly rostered ones. So if you've been streaming your defense kind of week to week and you want to get a little bit ahead of the game, Volcomaniacs, here are some teams that you can go ahead and look at. And a couple of these um, we've actually mentioned in past weeks as pickups for some of their other matchups. Um, but here are some of the some of the defenses that might be able to help you out at least for a couple of weeks, if not all three weeks. So three that really stuck out to me, um, the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, this is a risky one. They've been up and down. Uh, they were, you know, three weeks ago they looked uh, they looked like a team that was really coming together, and then uh, you know we saw a bad performance with Jalen Hurts. We saw a good performance with Gardner Minshew. Um, but as a defense, they are making plays, and they're going up against Washington, the Giants, and then Washington. That's their fantasy playoff schedule for weeks 15, 16, and 17. Now, Washington's offense has been moving the ball a little bit better, uh, but these divisional matchups can get nasty. Um, and like I said, the Eagles have the ability uh, to get those big plays and uh, give you some fancy points. 
Now the Packers, speaking of teams that are making big plays, they are uh, they are really performing as a turnover heavy team, creating them. They are taking on Baltimore and Cleveland in week 15 and 16. Lamar and Baker, um, you know, for two quarterbacks that preseason were talked about as, uh, you know, some of the best young talents in the league and looking to lead their team uh, to the big game. They have been kind of a mess. Cleveland doesn't seem to know what their uh, offensive identity is. Now, the risk going up against Cleveland is they could go so run heavy that it takes away some of the opportunities. Um, for those turnovers but uh, Baltimore you know Lamar's having trouble teams have kind of been in his grill a little bit he's making some mistakes his receivers are making some mistakes that are leading to turnovers Um, so those two matchups could help you before in week 17 the Packers take on uh, the Minnesota Vikings I'm not sure how I would actually feel about that but at least that would maybe get you through the first week or two And then the last one is Cincinnati. The Bengals get to take on the Denver Broncos in week 15. The Baltimore Ravens, so again, you know, struggling with turnovers in week 16. Um, But then in week 17 have the Kansas City Chiefs, which depending on the week, that might be a great matchup, but it's not necessarily uh, one that I'd want to stake my whole season on on championship week. So the biggest thing, Falcon Maniacs, is you want to get on those matchups now. Go and take a look at your league. There could be teams that were dropped. Uh, there could be teams that, um, you know, as they make their waiver pickups in the next couple of days, let go of their defense, um, not really looking ahead. Make sure that you are looking at who's available now. Make sure you're looking who's available at the end of the week, like who got dropped, and try to plan it out. Now, we're going to talk more about this later on too, Jeff, when we get to the waiver wire uh, roundup, but this is not the time of year, I don't think anyways, that you want to stack up your bench, um, you know, with those high flyers, with those guys that might turn into something, uh, with those high upside rookies. This is the time of year you want to just be set for what's coming up. You want to have maybe a couple of defenses so that you're feeling good about your options. You want to have depth options in case there's a last minute, you know, positive COVID case, uh, in case there's a last minute uh, injury at practice and you need to pivot quickly without struggling on the waiver wire or those running back handcuffs that can be so valuable. It all it takes is one play and all of a sudden you've got a guy who's uh, starting for you down the stretch. So unless you need a week a win this week coming into week 14, I wouldn't be using much bench space for those high upside flyers. I'd be getting myself prepped, and one area to do that is with the DST. Yeah, it is. Good, well done, buddy. I like that. Uh, yeah, you know what? Let's do the fantasy news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for Fantasy Football News. So, not tons to cover right now. It's pretty early in the week. There's lots that will change between now and our next episode. So make sure, like Kyle said, you do check us out on Friday. Uh, But we did get some early news this week that's not great and has fantasy implications. Keenan Allen has been added to the COVID-19 reserve list. I just read a report that he could be cleared in time for week 14, but uh, so it sounds like he's vaccinated. He just needs to uh, TJ wad it up and get two negative tests between uh, now and then. So hopefully he can do that because he's coming off a big game for his owners. 
Uh, Jordan Love, the backup in Green Bay, also added to the COVID-19 reserve list. So, uh, I mean, he probably isn't going to be playing, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers is not healthy. So he's somebody that's probably in uh, a lot of, you know, like the handcuffs that Kyle was mentioning. So keep an eye on that. Elijah Mitchell starting the week in the concussion protocol. And there's some talks that uh, maybe he shouldn't have come back into the game yesterday after leaving with a a head hit. So um, keep an eye on that. We'll see how uh, that goes throughout the week. Concussion protocol, you know, guys clear it in a week all the time, but... um, I don't know if this is this the second time he's been in the protocol this year, or is um, it, he had another injury. That was he had some else. He was banged maybe. up his knee, I believe, and then I'm not sure though. He might have early, early in the season. I can't remember if that was him or it might have been Trey Sermon early in the season. Hey, Trey Sermon, a big swing and a miss. Um, and some good news on the fantasy news side of things. Julio Jones, uh, the Titans have opened up the uh, practice window for him to return from the IR. So, uh, like you, Kyle said, uh, you know. Tannehill has not had a lot of weapons, uh, and this could be one that would come in back, and we'll see how he performs if he is able to get over these uh, hamstrings that have been just bothering him for what seems like four years now. So, yeah, short and sweet for the fantasy news, but uh, like I said, keep checking in and uh, check us on social media for any updates throughout the week because lots will change between now and kickoff. Let's check out the week that was. I won. I won. I won. I won! The week that was. How could this happen? How could this happen? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we had a pretty interesting game. Uh, we got news um, before the Thursday night game last week that, um, that uh, Amari Cooper would be active but limited, that Alvin Kamara would not be active in this game, um, that Taysom Hill would, in fact, be the starter. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, okay. In the end, there were some pieces that helped you out a lot. Final score. Cowboys took that one 27, 17, a much needed win for the Cowboys as they try to gear up, uh, get healthy and gear up for the playoffs or for the rest of the season in the playoffs themselves. Now Taysom Hill starting, it's so funny because you look at some, you know, I, I like to kind of browse through uh, fantasy football message boards. I like to see what people are thinking. I like to see what the general consensus opinion on certain players are, uh, especially around trade time. It kind of informs maybe players who people are giving up on a little too early. But the amount of love that some people gave Taysom Hill for his performance in this game versus the amount of hate that other people were dumping on him. Because in terms of how did he play as a quarterback, terrible. The answer was terrible. And maybe not 100% his fault, right? He suffered from mallet finger. He smashed his hand against somebody's helmet but didn't leave the game. Um, And it sounds like he's going to be able to play through the injury to some extent. But, uh, you know, he threw a couple of touchdowns. He had four interceptions, but he rushed for over 100 yards. So at the end of the day, and this is what we talked about coming into, you know, that's kind of a Taysom Hill game. He's going to, because of his legs, he's going to give you that floor. So if you started him, it probably worked out for you in your matchup. Now, because of those four interceptions, the Dallas defense was also a great start in this one. Um, they, they want a lot of teams, a lot of matchups this week. If you had the, uh, if you had the fortitude to start them against the saints, but, uh, look at the running back room for the Cowboys, right? We had a report early last week that Zeke might miss time to rest up and get healthy. Then Jerry Jones came out and said, absolutely not. He's going to have a heavy workload. 
And uh, sure enough, he was active, but he definitely looked limited and he definitely looked like his touches were being limited. And Tony Pollard looked great. So where where are you standing here, Jeff? Are you uh, are you rolling both of these guys if you got them? Man, I'm almost leaning towards Pollard at this point. I mean, Zeke is Zeke and it's, you know, we're past the point now. We're week 14. We're not. We're past the point now where you've invested draft capital into this guy and you have to start him, right? It's what's best for your team. And I think right now Tony Pollard is the play. He's got the kick return points. He just looks more explosive, and uh, he kind of does it all for them. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the way I'm leaning, which is crazy to say. Yeah, if you're in a league with kick return yards, that's a huge element that he adds, and he's got that, that big, uh, you know, breaking a big play ability. The thing with Zeke is even if he's limited, I feel like he's going to be in there a lot on passing downs because they like him as a pass protector so much. And he's at least going to get some of the carries, um, you know, when they're down at the five yard line. So even if his yep, even if his sure. overall volume's down, he's got a chance to to give you an OK day. But it's kind of disappointing, um, especially how hot he started at the start of the season and then, you know, struggling with this and that and getting nicked up. It's kind of disappointing that uh, you're just kind of hoping for solid production instead of the chance for one of those big explosion games. All right, our next matchup here, we had the Arizona Cardinals. They took down the Chicago Bears 33-22. to We got Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins back in this one, and Kyler looked great. He dominated on the other side of the ball, David Montgomery, he is a bell cow. He got a huge workload and he looked good. He's, you know, he's fighting hard for yards. He's making plays. He's taking what the O-line gives him and making something out of nothing. Um, not doing quite as well in this one was Andy Dalton. Uh, just, you know, troubles with ball security, troubles with decision making. Uh, he actually injured his left hand. I don't know if you saw this, Jeff. He uh, threw an interception and then, you know, put in the hard work to go chase it down and make a tackle. And this is a uh, this is kind of a touchy subject sometimes for quarterbacks. What should they do? Because he went in to make the play and then ended up hurting his non-throwing hand and now potentially has questions about his ability to throw the ball, um, you know, even though it's not the ball, the hand he grips the ball with. Um, some questions about... Well, maybe excuses, who knows, but uh, about his his motion, right? So, um, you know, good for him for putting in the effort, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure some quarterbacks would rather go the Roger Dorn route and kind of lay off of that stuff. Um, one quick little thing, you know, the Cardinals have been such a success story this season. Um, it's, it's huge to see them take the step forward they did. Obviously, James Conner playing a huge role in that offense, uh, the way he's joined them and then filled in for Chase Edmonds. But this was pretty cool. So the Cardinals are the first team since the mid-80s um, to start 7-0 and on the road. They won their first seven road games, and they won all of those games by at least 10 points. So they're just crushing teams on the road. Um, and the last team to do that was the 49ers, who went on that season to win the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Pretty cool. Um, and, uh, this last one, I don't have a lot to say about it. And I'm sure the Texans coaching staff doesn't either. The Colts took care of business. They went into Houston and, uh, 31 to zip 31 to zero. Not great. Tyrod Taylor suffered a hyperextended wrist early in this one. He avoided a break, but, uh, serious enough that he couldn't grip the ball. Uh, so Davis Mills came back and took over his quarterback and, uh, reminded us all why, he wasn't already playing quarterback any longer for the Texans. 
Um, I, I saw an interesting quote from Frank Reich. He talked to his team before the game and basically told his defensive players, if we don't leave with a shutout, we didn't play good enough. Uh, which is, you know, maybe in high awesome. school football, oh. that's the kind of thing I might I say that. if I was coaching a high school football team and we're going up against, uh, you know, a more lowly opponent. But uh, pretty, pretty ballsy to say that in the NFL, you know, Texans or not, they're still a uh, professional football franchise to to kind of call your shot and say we're getting a shutout. And, you know, props to them. They went out and did it. Yeah, that game was the opposite of the one I'm going to cover here. So the Chargers and the Bengals. Bengals played an absolute slobber knocker. It was uh, 41-22 for the Chargers on the road. Kind of a tale of two games almost. The first and fourth quarter were absolutely dominated by Herbert and company. And then the middle two quarters of the second and third were dominated by Burrow and co. So uh, it was a super fun game to watch. Uh, my opponent in our League of Note had Herbert, Burrow, T. Higgins, and just dominated me this week. It was uh, kind of the expected, but it was fun to watch as well because this feels like we were witnessing kind of the future of the league uh, at the quarterback position. Her- Herbert and Burrow are both legit and are going to be here for a long, long time. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, as far as Burrow goes, that's bad news for Steelers fans. And uh, I can't wait to watch uh, Herbert and Mahomes battle it out for years and years. Um, but as far as this game goes, Goes Burrow did get pretty dinged up. He dislocated his pinky on his throwing hand. It ballooned up like a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man's hand would, and uh, it was pretty nasty. But uh, he he played through it. No indication that he's going to miss any time and uh, coming up this week. Um, and T Higgins suffered a mild ankle sprain as well, so uh, something to monitor there. But he had an absolute massive day again, back to back weeks where he just went off uh, with Joe Burrow. So that's a connection that is picking up steam like it had uh, last season. Uh, the game script was weird. Yeah, Chargers got up to twenty-four nothing super fast, and we expected an all Mixon all day. And you know, Mixon kind of had a quiet day. He scored a touchdown for the ninth straight week, which was is imp- very impressive. Uh, but he had a bad fumble and uh, didn't really do a lot. He kind of got bottled up for the most part. Um, and Burrow, yeah, Burrow had a, I mean, a massive day. Uh, he did throw a couple picks, but um, ran a touchdown in, threw for over three hundred yards. And yeah, just like I said, these two are going to be here to stay and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. So Chargers get a big win on the road. I think both teams are seven and five. Now I think every team in the AFC is seven and five at this point. It seems like it's so tight. Um, and yeah, both teams are, you know, right there in the playoff hunt. So uh, good on them. This next game, man, oh man, just when you think, you know, a, a little bit about football, <laughs> the Vikings travel to Detroit and play the lions and get up set on the road, but it was awesome. So the Lions pull out a last-second touchdown win over the, the Vikings and win 29-27. Amon Ross St. Brown gets open somehow by like six yards in the end zone when they needed a touchdown. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just this was right before or our last episode, I kind of backed up Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen after just crapping on them all year, all off season, all year. I said, oh, you know what? This is the week. I'm finally going to back these guys up. Kirk had a pretty good day, Kirk Cousins, but Thielen left with a high ankle sprain, and the offense kind of sputtered from there. It was not uh, what what we expected to see. Um, so, yeah, Lions pull out a huge win, their first win on the season. I don't know if you saw the footage of um, Jared Goff's girlfriend. She was at, like, a photo shoot when she found out, and she's super excited because nobody expected this to happen. And uh, I will just say this. You know, we were making fun of Dan Campbell in the preseason with the, the kneecap biting thing. This is a guy I think I would get into the trenches with for, and I am soft. I am weak. <laughs> I am not. 
an athletic athlete, but this guy is, it's hard not to root for him. And I think, you know, they're not going to be competitive, but they play competitive games. And uh, Dan Campbell's got something going there in Detroit. So uh, it's a fun time to be a Lions fan, even if you are 110 and 1. Um, and yeah, obviously, I talked about Adam Thielen with suffering that high ankle sprain. Sounds like he's going to miss some time. Um, Dalvin Cook was out with this one. Madison had a pretty solid day, but uh, Cook is still going to be out for a couple of weeks, it looks like. So Minnesota is losing some key players at the wrong time. Look for KJ Osborne to step up in Thielen's uh, absence. And uh, I don't know if you saw the stat line on Mr. Jefferson, but we'll get to that later. He went off and uh, probably can, will continue to do so. Uh, a couple of games where we're not going to spend too much time on ugly matchups. The Dolphins beat the Giants 20-9. to Dolphins are on fire. The Giants are a dumpster fire. Um, Kenny Galladay left with a rib injury. Mike Lennon suffered a concussion. It sounds like Jake Fromm might get the start this week. Uh, so, yuck. Um, Jalen Waddle left the game in the fourth quarter limping. Hopefully his knee is okay because this kid has taken over the league. The connection he has with Tua is very real. I read a stat today that says Tua has completed 80% of his passes since returning from injury. So he's kind of, you know, getting acclimated to the NFL and Waddle is as well. And it's kind of, it's a great connection for fantasy as well. So uh, hopefully Waddle can get back. And if you're rostering or starting Giants players this late in the season, uh, even Saquon is really, really hard to trust at this point. Uh, I know he had a night, one nice run, but I think he finished the day with like six or seven points. It's just it's been pretty hard to to trust anybody in that uniform. So that'll continue the rest of the season. And the other team in New York, the Jets, they also are hard to trust. They lost 33 to 18 to the Eagles. This was the Garner Minshew uh, rejuvenation. You know, a lot of people kind of I myself, I picked the Jets in a pick'em league because Minshew was playing, and I thought the Eagles were all Hurts' legs. Uh, but you know, Minshew. Dallas Goddard was a real thing, and uh, they took over this game. Uh, Corey Davis injured his groin. He's out for the year now. He's going to have uh, surgery on that, so bump Elijah Moore even higher than you have him. And uh, Miles Sanders re-aggravated his ankle in this game. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell had a nice role, so if he's available on your waiver wires, we'll, we'll cover that later, but uh, he's a name to watch out for. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I fell victim to a lot of the Boston Scott talk. Um, you know, we saw throughout the week last week he wasn't practicing because of illness. He was the big one of the big beneficiaries, um, you know, of the way that things were going. And he looked good and he was sick. He wasn't practicing. He was sick. He wasn't practicing. The team kept saying it's OK. He's going to play. He kept saying it's OK. He's going to play. And he was active in this game. But uh, it looks like he was kind of just active in an emergency role. Uh, right off the hop, they were rolling with Sanders and Gainwell. And, uh, you know, with Sanders, it's going to be interesting to see because the Eagles do have a bye this week. So it may turn out to be nothing. The extra week off may get him right back in there. But uh, we might have a mess on our hands because he could be in or out. It sounds like Jordan Howard, after the bye, is expected to return. So that first week of playoffs, we all remember um, you know, his massive role that he stepped into. Uh, it sounds like they plan on bringing Boston Scott back into the mix because he was, you know, he was sick this week, but, uh, but physically is ready to run and play. So one of the best running attacks in the league, it may be just an unstable situation and one that's tough to bank your uh, your fantasy playoff success. And because of that week 14 bye, we won't have any clue what it might look like uh, before your quarterfinal matchup. So yee, avoid if you can. All right, looking up uh, next here, we had the Buccaneers taking on the Falcons. Buccaneers took this one down 30-17. to 17. 
Um, Ronald Jones left partway through this game. Uh, he was struggling with a non-COVID illness and couldn't quite get through the game, I guess. So they pulled the plug on him and, uh, and gave a lot of work to, uh, regular season Lenny. Now it's pretty amazing, man. Tom Brady, like obviously had the success. He left last year, left new England after so many seasons, went to Tampa Bay, won the Super Bowl. He right now is leading the league in yards, leading the league in touchdowns. He has more passing touchdowns than half of the league has scored as a team. He's, yeah, he wrote, he's in his 30th season, basically. Like this, he's going to be like Gordie Howe. He's going to be playing and have like his kids in the professional league with him, like playing beside him. Um, Gronk and Brady moved up the list of all-time uh, connections for touchdowns between uh, quarterbacks and pass catchers. So they are second now only behind Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. I believe Gronk and Brady have 90 regular season touchdowns and Peyton and Marvin Harrison have 112. So a little bit of work to do, but uh, just amazing stuff. Oh. And I... I think crazy, if you include playoff, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if you include playoff touchdowns, Gronk and Brady are at like 110, like they're, you know, just lights out. Um, but uh, I also saw another uh, cool thing in his career, including um, including all the matchups since he joined the division. Tom Brady has never lost to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, came pretty close once, I kind of remember. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, he is 10-0 and 0 in his career. So, uh, you know, Atlanta, yeah, you have a couple. Uh, you can play Cordell Patterson every week. Uh, you potentially can play Russell Gage. We're going to talk about him a little bit later on. But uh, it's not looking so good. And, uh, yeah, really quickly, also not looking so good is the future of Antonio Brown in uh, Tampa Bay with all this nonsense going on with his vaccination card uh sounds like that might be the last straw and he he may not be part of the plan going forward although he hasn't been part of the plan since about week three all right this, i mean in oh, his yeah. defense the buccaneers should have known when they when he showed their vaccination card and it said mclovin on it so I mean. <laughs> just a piece of paper with a green check mark on it and magic marker <laughs> yeah exactly all right, this next one, not too much to talk about here. We had uh, Jacksonville taking on the L.A. Rams, and, uh, you know, they both had the same last digit. The Jaguars had seven points. The Rams had 37 points, so at least they had that going for them. Uh, this was kind of a weird one. Um, I saw you put in the notes here. So the Jaguars benched, uh, or at least partially benched, um, James Robinson pretty early on. Uh, Aaron Donald caused a massive fumble, he has problems. He has uh, he has fumbled the ball four times this year. He was actually benched a couple of weeks ago for fumbling the ball against Atlanta. Um, so you know it looks like Urban Meyer maybe is trying to uh, trying to take a book out of Bill Belichick's uh, school of coaching. But um, yeah, so we saw a lot of Carlos Hyde. He actually had more production. Uh, but on the Rams side of the ball, this was their get right game with the passing game looked good. They had uh, touchdown for cup touchdown for Jefferson touchdown for OBJ. Uh, that Stafford cup connection is, is going to be a dangerous one going into the playoffs here. And, uh, and Daryl Henderson was out in this one, or he was active, but non-active. He was dressed in an emergency setting and Sony Michelle went off over 120 yards and a rushing touchdown. So a big game. If you managed to pick him up off waivers, like we suggested last week, I know I did. 
And uh, this last one was a heartbreaker. This was a this was about as close as you can get. A uh, bit of a revenge game for Jack Del Rio coming back uh, against the Raiders. But Washington football team took down the Raiders 17 to 15. Um, on a last second field goal kicked by a kicker who most of the guys on Washington didn't know who he was because they literally just picked him up and rolled him out there. Um, couple of injuries in this one, too bad. Kenyon Drake broke his ankle. He's done for the season. Logan Thomas, after just coming back from injury, he appeared like he had torn his ACL and MCL. Now he did some testing today that didn't show a tear. Um, so they're going to investigate a little bit further, but unless noted otherwise, he's not expected to be back this season. Um, you know, Washington's doing a lot of right things. They're still struggling in some aspects of the game, but Heineke is, uh, what he lacks in some ability, he makes up for in spirit, and uh, he's got that team rallying around him, and this was a big win for them. Not only a big win for them, I read a thing on social media, again, that says uh, part of Heineke's contract is he gets a bonus for every game he they win when he's playing, and they've won four in a row now. Uh, what is it, four in a row or five in a row? Whatever it is, it's $125,000 every time they win a game that he's starting. So he's making himself some money here as well. So uh, good on him, and he's playing awesome. It's fun to watch. Oh, man, this game, uh, I wasn't sure who was going to cover it, but, uh, yeah, it was such a doozy. So the Steelers and the Ravens, you know, we talked about this rivalry last week and how they always play super tight football games. They aren't usually within a point where it comes down to a two-point conversion, but uh, that's what happened here. The Steelers are able to hold on and pull out a 20-19 to win over their division rival, uh, who were, were the AFC's number one seed coming into this game, uh, whether that's warranted or not, but uh, that was the case. Uh, this game aged me a lot, man. It was back and forth. It, at, at the first you know, quarter and a half, it looked like the Ravens were going to dominate. Uh, they put together a 99-yard drive against it's the Steelers defense when the Steelers are at home, which is basically unheard of. Um, the Steelers D is obviously not what we're used to seeing here. And I was, you know, messaging some of the fellas like the, you know, Panthers fans and the Bills fans and uh, the Eagles fans and saying, I don't know how you guys watch teams that don't have good defenses. I didn't realize how spoiled I'd been over the years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're not the Steelers of old, um, but they got the W. They got it done. Big Ben and Deontay, they are in love with each other. And for good reason. I know Deontay had a really bad drop, but. Uh, Ben's trust didn't waver whatsoever. Went back to him for two big scores, and um, yeah, just an absolute, just an absolute ma- amazing game. Um, I mean, let's be real though; both teams are not playing great football. Lamar Jackson, you talked about throwing ten picks in the last week. Uh, he looks rattled at times. He's not using his legs as much, um, and you know the the pass catching weapons didn't help him a ton in this game. Mark Andrews had a few drops, including the two point conversion, and you know it's it was a tough catch, but it's a catch we're used to seeing Mark Andrews make. So. Um, yeah, both teams are kind of struggling right now. The Ravens have been uh, finding ways to win, which is reflected in the record, and the Steelers are kind of fighting and clawing their their way back into playoff contention. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way here, but uh, the black and gold got the W, thankfully. Next matchup blew me away. I mean, I thought the 49ers were playing some of the best football in the NFL coming into this one, and the Seahawks were playing some of the worst in, uh, football in the NFL, and uh, I thought it was going to be kind of a smashing uh, where the, the 49ers are going to run wild, and it was not that at all. The Seahawks put up 30 points and pulled out a win at home against the division rival, 30-23. Uh, to 23. Um, Some injuries of note. I mean, Jeff Wilson left this game with uh, re-aggravating his knee injury. Trey Sermon is on the IR, and Elijah Mitchell uh, left the game with a concussion or head injury, came back in, and now it's coming out, like I said earlier, that he's in the concussion protocol. So the running back room in San Francisco is pretty banged up. 
Uh, but that doesn't matter if George Kittle is playing the way he is, man. He was on fire this game. He showed why he is, you know, not only one of the best tight ends in the league, but one of the best football players in the league. Um, he couldn't do it all himself, but he had a massive, massive day and is kind of quickly moving up to, to to tight end one. Maybe even overall at this point, the way Kelsey's playing. But, um, yeah, Kittle's you know, on a hot stretch here, and he played great. As far as the Seahawks, you know, Russ is getting healthy. He's making more plays every week and looking like himself. Um, Adrian Peterson was a thing for the Seahawks, scored a touchdown, and uh, had a pretty prominent role. Uh, Alex Collins was benched. Uh, he's a late scratch before the game, so uh, AP is obviously doing something to practice, or, or Pete Carroll is continuing to lose his mind. Who knows what's happening there, but uh, they got the W, so I don't anticipate anything will change. Uh, but I want to talk about the receivers. I know you know, last week when we did the Munson, I, I was – before we went on air, I picked DK Metcalf, and then after Kyle's breakdown of the matchup, I was like, "Yeah, DK is going to be the greasy wheel or the the squeaky wheel, and he's a monster. They're just going to force feed him." So I switched my months into uh, Tyler Lockett. He ended up having a better day, but um, anyways, the point is the receivers are still hard to trust. I know Russ had a good day, but uh, DK is you know I've heard people call him decoy Metcalf, and uh, it's kind of being that that's the case right now. So. Um, you know, somebody that people have drafted as their WR1 as early as the second round is now hard to trust. And that's kind of what we mentioned earlier in the episode. So um, you're probably going to roll them out there. But if you have better options, you may want to consider them for when it counts. And our last matchup was the Monday night or Sunday night football game between the Chiefs and the Broncos. It was so, so sweet to watch. This was the Javante Williams coming out party. Uh, I know it was a losing effort, but he showed out with uh, Melvin Gordon being on the sideline. I uh, can do it all. I love this kid's story, too. They were talking about his upbringing. He played linebacker most of the way up through uh, his football, uh, I guess, career here and uh, switched to running back. So uh, I just love that. I love that he's seen the field from the other side, and now he's on the you know the offensive side. And, uh, yeah, he's, he played amazing. I'm sure Gordon will be back, and I know the Broncos like to use a committee and, and two horses, but uh, Javante Williams looks the part for real, and uh, I'm glad I didn't trade him at the deadline. Thanks, Marty. Um <laughs> And as far as the Kansas City Chiefs, man, the, their offense struggled. You know, if you have Tyler Lockett, if you have George or Travis Kelsey, and if you have Patrick Mahomes, they were all very kind of Dudsville this week. I know they got the win, but uh, it wasn't a great showing from the offense coming out of a bye, which is typically what Andy Reid kind of explodes in the offense. You know, we were expecting them to go on this run. So uh, I'm, I'm not ready to give up on them yet. I don't know. I know the Broncos' defense is legitimate, and that could be the bigger story that they held them to 22 points. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But um, – yeah, Mahomes own. Uh, if you have Mahomes on your roster, uh, you, you know you're probably pretty concerned based on where you drafted him. And um, and Kelsey and Hill, I think will be okay, but they're not the Kelsey and Hill we're used to seeing. It's a scary prospect, man. But I'm, you know, I was kind of teasing one of our managers in one of our leagues about uh, his Patrick Mahomes question. But I don't want to be the guy who puts him on my bench and then gets fifty points on my bench. But I also don't want to be the guy who just blindly sticks with them and gets six or seven points in the first round of playoffs either. Um, <clears throat> on the Broncos, uh, really quickly before we move on here, it was a, it was great and Javante looked great. But I and maybe this is just wishful thinking because I've got Melvin Gordon in a couple of uh, leagues. But I think, and it sounds like he's going to be ready to go right away here in Week 14. Uh, I think honestly that they just go back to the one-two punch. I don't. Uh, I think it was great, but I think that they they know what they are right now, and uh, Gordon, I don't believe, is going to be back next year, and they just want to they just want to work Javante in, but also kind of limit his exposure to potential late season injury uh, with where they're at right now. So 
they've got a good they've got a good matchup uh you know lined up ahead of them a bunch of good matchups i should say for the running game and the o-line looked good but i think it's going to go back to kind of a more even split or maybe i'm just hoping that oh. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. Like I said, Mike Boone got a bunch of carries and looked, you know, pretty good. But, but uh, you know, Gordon, they've invested in him. I don't know if the splits will be the same. It could be, you know, Javante's getting 55 to yeah. Gordon's 45 now. But, um, and as, you know, as you know, I said, I didn't trade him. That's in a dynasty league where I'm, you know, totally torn it down this year and rebuilding. So the more carries that Melvin Gordon gets this year and saves Javante, I'm, I'm very happy with it, to be honest. Yeah, man. All right, we got some ups and downs, and we're going to fly through them here. Uh, let's hit the high notes first. This is the Fantasy Podium. You're the, best. the Fantasy Podium. So at the quarterback position, our third place quarterback this week uh, as of Sunday night's games was Justin Herbert. Herbert went for 317-3. and three. He had one interception but finished the day with 26 fantasy points. Number two was the GOAT, Tom Brady, 368 and four touchdowns. He also had an interception. It was kind of a bad one. Big guy picked him off uh, right at the line of scrimmage and ran it in for six before the half. But 30 fantasy points for Mr. Brady. Number one, we talked about him, Kyler Murray, 123 yards and two touchdowns. Not great, but 10 for 59 and two on the ground, 31 fantasy points. So uh, getting it done with his legs when uh, when the passing game wasn't quite opened up for him. Yeah, and his, you know, any concerns of that ankle were squashed with the way he was running around. Uh, checking out the running backs, our third place running back was David Montgomery of the Bears. He had 21 carries for 90 yards and a score. He also added eight catches for 51 yards for 24 fantasy points. And number two, oh, is this the start of the decline of Jonathan Taylor? He's not at the top of our podium for you know, the fourth straight week. He is number two this week, 32 carries, 143 yards, two scores. He did lose a fumble, but he had 24 fantasy points. And number one, we just talked about him. It was his coming out party. He did a lot in a losing effort. Uh, Javonta Williams, 23 carries, 102 yards. He also had six catches for 76 yards and a score. 27 fantasy points for our RB1. Mm-hmm. Yep, Jonathan Taylor really took advantage. We mentioned that was his last kind of easy matchup of the year, and uh, he really smashed it, so good for him. All right, the wide receiver position. Number three, this was a surprise. Uh, we did not see the Bengals game going this way. We thought it was going to be run, 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 and instead they were down by three scores pretty early. So T. Higgins was the guy. Nine catches for 138 and a touchdown, 24 fantasy points. I think he saw 14 targets in this one. So a huge shift and a huge shift in the game script that we expected. Number two, Deontay Johnson. He's just becoming kind of a fixture here. Uh, like you mentioned, he's just got, you know, he had the drop problems last year, but he's been a reliable uh, receiver this year for Big Ben. Eight catches for 105 and two touchdowns, 27 fantasy points. But number one, the squeaky wheel from a few weeks Oof. ago, Justin Jefferson, 11 grabs for 182 and a touchdown, 30 fantasy points. And with Adam Thielen looking like he's going to miss time, Justin Jefferson may win a lot of people a lot of fantasy Falcon championships. Yeah, I think he will. And it's funny, I mentioned I played against the Herbert Burrow and T. Higgins managers. That guy also had Justin Jefferson and our tight end one. So, yikes. <laughs> uh, let's go to the tight ends. Number three was Gronkowski. Four catches, 58 yards, two scores for 20 fantasy points. 
Number two, Dallas Goddard of the Eagles, six catches, 105 yards, two scores for 26 fantasy points. And number one, Mr. George Kittle, nine catches, 181 yards, two scores, including a beautiful toe-tapping down the sideline uh, run after the catch for 35 beautiful George Kittle fantasy points. Unreal. 35 fantasy points from your tight end. Yikes. All right, everybody's favorite here, the IDPs. Our third best defensive player was Camus Gougier-Hill, the Texans linebacker. He had 15 tackles, three tackles for losses for, for loss and a sack, 23 fantasy points. When your offense never has the ball, the defensive players usually do pretty well. Uh, the second IDP this week was Blake Lynch, linebacker for the Vikings. He had seven and a half tackles, a tackle for loss, two sacks, and a forced fumble with a fumble recovery for 24 fantasy points. But number one, welcome back, Mr. Yes. Watt, TJ Watt. Just Thank all around you. the number one pass rusher in the league, in my humble opinion. Five and a half tackles, three tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and a forced fumble. 29 fantasy points. Just doing unbelievable work this year, even after missing a couple of games uh, right up there at the top of the sack list. 16 sacks. He's already tied the Steelers' all-time record for sacks in a season. He missed two games, and he still has five to go. Uh, he absolutely took over this game and wrecked everything. You know, Even the plays where he didn't show up in the stat sheet, he disrupted. And, uh, yeah, thankfully, number 90 was playing, and he's playing for us. Uh, what an awesome performance. Uh, you know, that's the good stuff, dude, but uh, we also do the flops, so let's check them out, the fantasy flops. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> Fantasy football busts. No offense. <laughs> no, none taken. <laughs> so our quarterbacks on this list, ouch. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, two points. Mike Glennon, uh, you, if you started him, six points is actually probably <laughs> pretty good. And probably right where you expected to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is not doing uh, generational talent kind of things here with Urban Meyer. Seven points this week. Uh, Carson Wentz had 11 points. Dak had 12 points in a you know a game they won big, uh, but it was a lot of their defense. And Matt Ryan has been on this list most of the year, 12 points this week. And Derek Carr also finished the week with 12 points in a losing effort. Yeah, disappointing matchup for Carr for sure um, and for Ryan. All right, at the running back position, we talked about this guy, Boston Scott, with the goose egg, a big zero. He was in my lineup. Yee. Uh, James Robinson with his fumble trouble. He finished with only two fantasy points. Mark Ingram as the main cat out in New Orleans had only three fantasy points. Rex Burke had only five fantasy points in that tough one uh, for the Texans. Ezekiel Elliott, six fantasy points. And Miles Gaskin in what, uh, you know, a lot of people thought this was going to be a good matchup against the Giants. I wasn't so high on it. He only finished with six fantasy points as well. Yeah, you know, I called them a dumpster fire. Their defense is playing pretty solid football right now, but the offense is just disastrous in uh, in, in New York. Uh, let's go to the receivers. Uh, Adam Thielen, 0.5 points. He left that game with an injury after, uh, you know, doing absolutely nothing. I had one catch. Uh, Christian Kirk, one point. You know, we talked about Kyler Murray not having a huge volume passing, and then Christian Kirk suffered for that. Uh, so did A.J. Green. He had two points. Tim Patrick ended up with a point. Um, Sutton for the Denver Broncos also had two points. He's been such a ghost for the last month. I just forgot his first name uh, as I was trying to say it. Uh, Cortland. Um, but yeah, Sutton. Sutton's almost droppable at this point, and uh, it's hard to believe after you know he got paid and he showed out at the start of the season. But uh, that's where we are. Tyreek Hill, not a name we're used to saying on the flops list, but he only had three points. Devonta Smith also had three points. T.Y. the Houston Texan killer only had three points this week against them. 
Terry McLaurin, four points. Pretty disappointing for his owners. Uh, Kenny Galladay, five points. Amari Cooper, five points. Chase Claypool had six points. Jamar Chase is coming back to earth. He's uh, been the WR39, I think, over the last five weeks. Uh, he only had seven points. Uh, Brandon Cooks had seven points. And Brandon Ayuk, who a lot of people expected to have a big role with Debo out, only had seven points this week. Yeah, me. I expected it. Yikes. Come on, Kittle. Just, you know, a couple of couple, – you could throw a dozen his way. Easy. All right, at the tight end position, Jack Doyle, after being the number one tight end last week, came back down to earth. Back Jack, two points. Uh, Zach Ertz, oh, it doesn't even say how many points. It wasn't good, though. Um, Foster Moreau, who... uh, (laughs) I'm just skipping over that one. Sorry, Zach Ertz. Uh, Foster Moreau, who... uh, Yeah, sure, that's nice. He's right between two and four. Um, You know, a lot of people plugged him in uh, in the Waller absence because of how he had one opportunity when Waller was out this year and he played great and was heavily targeted. Only four fantasy points in this one. Couldn't get the connection going. And Travis Kelsey, if you spent a second round pick, you'd want more than four points out of the presumed presumed number one tight end uh, in the league. He's hurting you sometimes. Oh, man. Well, every week we talk about it, Jeff. If you have any of these players, if you've got somebody on by, if you've got somebody on injury, if you just have a hole you need to, you know, slap some of that super tape over and uh, flex seal it up, we we might just have the solution for you here on our Waiver Wire Roundup. Waiver Wire Roundup. Last week of the fantasy regular season, and we have four teams on their bye-bye-bye. The Colts. Sorry, Jonathan Taylor. Sorry, Walzak. You don't have a roster to set. The Dolphins are not going to be playing. The Eagles are not going to be playing. And the Patriots are not going to be playing this week. So anybody on those rosters, you need to replace them. But I said we were going to talk about this a little bit here, Jeff. We have some players on the waiver wire roundup this week that are, these are guys you can pick up and plug into your lineup. Maybe they're high, high upside players uh, because you just need a chance to get a win. You need to make your playoffs. But we have a lot of players that are just pick these pick these guys up for your fantasy playoffs. They're not necessarily, it's, it's kind of a barren wasteland this week for how big of a, for how big of a lineup it was last week with all the injuries. It's kind of a wasteland, but uh there are pieces here that could be play a big role in your uh, playoff run. So to start things off here, uh, let's look at Jamison Crowder. He's only 21% rostered on Yahoo. In week 12, he was uninvolved. He had a very disappointing week against Houston. But other than that, he's had between five and nine targets every week. Uh, now Corey Davis going to be gone. He's not got the big play upside that Elijah Moore does, but he's out there in uh, you know 80% of leagues and has proven himself over the last couple of years to be a reliable uh, fantasy asset, kind of a reliable floor receiver uh, most weeks. Now, a high upside variance player, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know, we talked about him after the huge game, and he followed it up with another big target game before going into the bye week. He has 19 targets in his last two games before the bye that they just had in week 13. You're definitely chasing points, but this is one of those players. If you need an upside play, You've got Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, and you know if you've got a chance at nine or ten targets from one of the best quarterbacks in the game, the reigning MVP, you might have to take it. That might be a better option than uh, than somebody who's just going to go out and get you eight or nine points, right? 
at the quarterback position, Taysom Hill. It's ugly. You don't want to watch it. If you if you go the Hill way, don't watch the game because you will not be happy. But when you check the box score at the end, you might be okay. Uh, he's only 34% rostered on Yahoo. Uh, very ugly in terms of NFL quarterback, but very useful in terms of fantasy football. Over 100 yards rushing and over 20 fantasy points. That's going to help out anybody looking to fill in their uh, their roster spot this week at the quarterback position. Oh, going back to the Jets, two Jets on this list. Yucca duty. Uh, Tevin Coleman. This is more of a desperation play, but uh, he seems to decisively be the guy in the backfield until Michael Carter comes back. He's rostered in more leagues. He's 41% rostered. Um, you know, so he's the main guy. He's going to get the volume. Now, how much is that worth for your team? I can't actually say. And, uh, the same can be said for Rex Burkhead. He's only 23%, uh, rostered on Yahoo. He failed to reach double digits uh, for the first time since the bye week this past week. Um, but like we said, Indy was just kind of dominant from start to finish. They were scoring every quarter. They were holding the Texans to very little. So if you need a body who's a starting running back to have a guy out there in 75% of leagues, uh, you could, you know, potentially you could do worse. Um, now, a couple of names that maybe were <laughs> yeah, potentially. Uh, a couple of other running back names, Dontrell Hilliard. Now, check it out. You might be thinking, oh, no way. He Somebody spent all their fab. Yeah, but then the Titans had a bye week, and people at this time of year get desperate on their buys. They have injuries they can't drop. He's only 40% rostered. He may be available in your league. The last time we saw him, he rushed against the Patriots, a great run defense, 12 rushes for 131 and a touchdown, and he's going up against Jacksonville. So even the Titans' struggles, they could all be sorted out against Jacksonville. And uh, if he continues to be the main back, he could help you out and uh, maybe get you into the playoffs. And uh, this last one, this is a pure stash, pure stash, Peyton Barber. Uh, with the news that Kenyon Drake is out for the rest of the season with a broken ankle, you know, remember he had that one big game against Miami early in the season. This is purely one of those handcuffs that you put on your bench in case something happens to Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, Waller's banged up. There's no uh, there's no Henry Ruggs. The offense has to go through somebody, and if he gets a shot, he's uh, that team's not afraid to give him the ball. Man, this list is like, what's that Disney movie where the, all the un- unfortunate souls or whatever and it's just like oh, the little mermaid <laughs> just, that's what it is yeah ursula uh so we got a couple more guys to go here despite all my rage i'm still starting russell gage this Ooh. guy is getting tons of volume with the falcons yeah you like that yeah um he's only 34 percent owned in yahoo right now he's received at least seven targets in four of his last five games including 12 this past week the falcons are garbage they're going to be losing always and they're going to be throwing so uh you could do a lot worse and uh, he's worth a, a roster spot for sure um especially if you need help this week with some other guys being out um kj osborne we talked about adam Thielen missing time with his high ankle sprain kj osborne uh kind of came in and filled in for him after he left with the injury this is a guy that showed big play potential earlier in the season and just absolutely vanished uh, but with Thielen missing some time, Osborne will probably have a, a role in this offense. Um, you know, he's you're, again, you're not looking for a ton of volume with this guy, but he's got a high upside uh, kind of flyer. So he's only three percent rostered right now in Yahoo. So definitely worth a shot to to put him on your bench. A couple tight ends here: Tyler Conklin, only thirty percent yeah rostered on Yahoo right now. He's already had a couple good games this year. Um, and same sentiment as Osborne. He's good to see an increased usage with um, Thielen being out, especially in the red zone. So uh, Tyler Conklin is you know. 
Kirk Cousins is, is trusted as tight ends in the past, especially in the red zone and Conklin. You could do a lot worse with at an ugly position. Ricky Seals Jones uh, only owned in five percent of Yahoo leagues. Went through a period earlier this season of being pretty, you know, fairly regular targeted before Logan Thomas returned. Now Thomas is out again, and Seals Jones will have a role again. So uh, don't expect a ton, but uh, you know, if you need a tight end this week, especially, he could do a lot worse than Ricky Seals Jones. And some defenses we're looking at. We're looking at Green Bay versus Chicago, Denver versus Detroit, the Saints are host uh, against the Jets, Titans against the Jags, and the Seahawks against the Texans. And you'll see a common theme here. It's not about who the defense is. It's about who the opponent is. Uh, Chicago, Detroit, Jets, Jags, Texans, probably five of the worst offenses in the league. That's what you're looking for this time of year. Yeah, and even if they can put up points – you know, you want to go up against offenses that turn the ball over. You want to go up against quarterbacks that make mistakes. You want to go up against teams that are missing uh, weapons, either on the O-line or in the receiving core, or in the backfield or under the quarterback position, um, just to give yourself a chance for those big upside plays for sure. All right, well, Falcomaniacs, it's that time we get here every week. It's one of our favorite segments, one of the original segments of our show where we give you, uh, you know, just that little gem that you can pluck off the bench and plug in for one play and get them into your team's history books. This is the Rudy of the Week. Rudy, 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 Rudy. Fantasy Falcon Football Rudy of the Week. He did it! He got the game for one so play and made a tackle. Last week, Jeff, you really tried to uh, cover all your yeah. bases. You had, uh, you know, it was going to be Cedric Wilson unless Amari Cooper played and Cedric Wilson didn't play and Bill Belichick wore one purple sock and one red sock. And Jerry Jones flew, uh, you know, with wax wings this to the game. But if all those things, with recording yeah. Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> but if all those things, uh, lots changed. Yeah. yeah. So in the end, yeah, Cedric Wilson ended up not playing at all, and Amari Cooper did. Now that was one of your conditions. So we pivoted to your other choice, Eno Benjamin uh, with the Cardinals. And it didn't work out, unfortunately. It was a really big game for James Conner. No. They just, they're just not, you know, as much as as much hype as Benjamin had, um, you know, when uh, Edmonds went out and we thought they'd keep going with the two back. He he hasn't really had a ton of opportunity in most of the game. So he had two carries for one yard, one catch for twelve yards, one point three fantasy points. Uh, but. If you went uh, the other way, if you went with my Rudy of the Week, Van Jefferson, you you know, pretty happy, I think. Six catches for 41 yards and a touchdown, 10 fantasy points. That's that's what you're looking for with a Rudy. That's even a little bonus. Uh, so tell us, who do you have this week, Jeff? Who are you plugging in there this week? Well, with about as little confidence as I could have in my Rudy's, uh, I'm going with K.J. Osborne of the Minnesota Vikings. I kind of outlined the reason why when I broke him down in the waiver period. Um, you know, he made some big plays, like I said, earlier in the season with Kirk Cousins. Uh, there is a you know a brief history there. There's a trust that has probably got to develop even more. Uh, Thielen was his go-to guy, and Jefferson can't do it all by himself. I know he had 180 yards or whatever it was this week. Um, but even if that he does that again, there's still going to be other mouths to feed, and I think Osborne can, is going to have a role while Thielen's out. Uh, they go up against the Steelers this week on Thursday Night Football. Um, the Steelers D I mentioned earlier as well, they're not, they're not the Steelers D we're used to seeing. I'm not sure if Joe Hayden will be back. Uh, I'm not sure if that really matters, really. I, I know Kirk Cousins will be throwing it, and um, I think there's going to be points scored for both teams in that game. So, uh, okay, Jay Osborne is my Rudy of the week. Stamp it. 
All right, and I am uh, I'm going to the running back position, and I'm going down to Tennessee to Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, since he came in, he gave us back-to-back double-digit fantasy performances. Pretty good for a waiver wire plug-in in an ambiguous backfield. Uh, he's got carry volume as well as the kick return yards if your league counts them. It's just a little added bonus. Uh, now the Titans are coming off their bye, and they should, like I mentioned in the waiver wire pickup, they should be in a good game script. They've got a matchup against the Jaguars. And looking at what the Jags have done on defense, they recently have just gotten lit up by Jonathan Taylor, by Cordero Patterson, and uh, this past week by Sony Michelle. This is kind of an ugly Rudy pick, but uh, Dontrell Hilliard, you are my Rudy of the week. Stamp it. I like it. Well, we got a little bit more to go through uh, for this episode. I know uh, we've kind of run long here, but it's that time of the year, and we got to make sure we cover everything. Uh, so let's go to our Thursday night preview. Al, my prediction is that whoever puts the most points on the scoreboard will probably win tonight's football game. NFL preview. I mentioned this game already. We've talked about it. Uh, the Steelers are 6-5-1. and one. They're traveling to Minnesota to face the 5-7 and seven Vikings. It's a 44.5 point over-under with Minnesota being three-point favorites at home at this point. Uh, Dalvin Cook, out. Adam Thielen, out, it looks like. Um, and, then, yeah, we talked about the Vikings are coming off with just an absolutely disastrous loss to the, the Lions, a team that the Steelers tied. So you can't really uh, you know, go in there with too much confidence. But uh, we're coming off a win, a huge win, and we need to carry some momentum on the road here in Minnesota with a team that's uh, not playing their best football. So, uh, yeah, this one's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Like I said, I think uh, both teams are going to put up points. I don't know if it's going to be pretty. I don't know if it's going to be defenses scoring the points or if it's going to be the offenses, but their points will be scored in this game. Um Hopefully T.J. Watt takes over again and, and gets the Steelers a win. It's going to be a tight one, I think, and I think it'll go back and forth. Uh, as far as fantasy starts and maybes, uh, we're definitely starting Deontay Johnson at this point. He's a you know a surefire top five, probably WR at this point in the season. Uh, Chase Claypool, you know he's he's making big plays. They keep throwing him you know big bombs down the sideline. He keeps leaving his feet to try to catch them, and uh, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. I think he's only got one touchdown on the year, which is pretty surprising for the big boy, but. Uh, you know, the passing game is is kind of clicking. Big Ben looked really good in the second half there, and the Minnesota pass D is not that great. So I'm, I'm confident starting Claypool. I'm also starting uh, Pat Fryermuth, who at times looks like the best player on the Steelers' offense, um, and he's definitely got Ben's trust. Uh, Najee Harris is a guy that's getting the volume, but it's pretty concerning. You know, the yards per carry, uh, it's it's not pretty. Uh, he's fighting. He you know scraps and claws for every yard he gets. He falls forward all the time. Uh, but I think better days are ahead for Najee and his managers, and it could be you know next year where he really uh, flourishes. But I'm starting a base on volume this week. Justin Jefferson is a no-brain. I mean, if Deontay was a no-brainer, Jefferson's even easier to start at this point. And Alexander Madison coming off that huge day. We've talked about the Steelers' D not being what it was. Um, you know, it's one of the bottom rush Ds in the league, and uh, Madison could have a big role with the way Minnesota uses their running backs. Uh, the maybes are Kirk Cousins and Big Ben, the both quarterbacks, and Tyler Conklin and the KJ Osborne. Um, my Rudy is—he's uh, a maybe. You could do a lot worse, but you could do better for sure. So, uh, yeah, I'm taking the Steelers. Um, I think it's going to be a fun game, and you know this is must-win for both teams, especially the Vikings. Like if they lose this game, I don't know if Dalvin Cook even returns this year. Uh, there could be you know coaches getting fired. I've heard rumors of, but uh, so they're going to be desperate and playing that way. But I think the Steelers are going to pull out a big win on the road. 
Yeah, for sure. I got the Steelers in this one too. And there's a lot of pressure on Mike Zimmer um, to, you know, step up. He took a lot of flack in that game against Detroit for especially the defensive performance. Um, the end of the game that, uh, you know, that clinching touchdown, he had, I think, seven or eight DBs in the end zone. And uh, and even Amon Ross St. Brown said, I don't know what those guys were doing because they were standing like seven yards deep. Like he just ran out to the goal line and there was nobody around him. Um, and after the game, Zimmer said, well, yeah, you know, our guys back there weren't covering. So we put more guys back there and then just none of them did the job the right way. So uh, some tension brewing and a quick turnaround. So hopefully, uh, hopefully Big Ben and the boys can take advantage of that. All right, this is what everybody's really waiting for, Jeff. We've gone through the whole week in the NFL, but NFL, NF Schmel. Let's talk about a league that has some fun, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Welcome to the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And we got a doozy going on here. So our match of the week, we had House Money 2021 uh, against Circling Wagons. I'm not sure what the update is right now, but it was a pretty handy score. House Money was on track to take down Circling Wagons, one of the top teams in the league, 178 to 144. So pretty decisive uh, when we started recording this. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I, I try not to toot my own horn a little bit, but I'm going to toot, toot, toot here because uh, Falcomaniacs, I told you after week five, don't give up. My team was 0-5 and I am well on my way tonight to being an 8-5 and football team, well on my way to a playoff run, I hope, as long as I get into the playoffs because uh, we got a real, we got a real kind of a slobber knocker of a league happening right now, eh, Jeff? We've got our, our yeah, top team in the league is uh, projected after this week to be 12-1. and one. And he's, you know, n- no disrespect to, uh, to to Brother Tron there, but uh, he has definitely ha- benefited a little bit from how the schedule played out. You know, he's had some weeks where he would have been in trouble, but ended up with a good matchup. But regardless... Ooh, shots fired. No, no, shots no, no. Fired. No disrespect. Yeah, yeah. No disrespect. <laughs> he's the top team in the league for a reason, right? But after that... Coming out of this week, we are going to have three teams that are tied at nine and four, three teams that are tied up at eight and five, and two teams that are tied at seven and six. Coming into the last week of the regular season, we've got nine teams vying for eight spots. And what's really interesting is there's a couple of teams in there that don't look like they're that committed to making a playoff run, but they might end up in a spot yeah. uh, just because of how well they did at the start of the season. So, uh, Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully we get some real uh, competitive action going into the uh, going into the playoffs here. I can't wait. I mean, even if the two teams are trying to get out of the playoffs, one of them is going to be disappointed. So yeah, it's going to be fun <laughs> to watch how this plays out. And this is kind of what we've been building towards as a league. You know, we've made some changes to the keepers and adding contracts, and the parity was a big thing we were shooting for. And you know, it's it seemed to the last couple of years that's what we've got. It's it's been fun to watch from the outside. You know, as a team that's totally rebuilding. Um, and hopefully I'm in contention next year and, and it continues to be just as much fun, but, uh, you know what, Kyle, that was a good episode, but this is it. Falcomaniacs. We're on the verge of the final week of the fantasy regular season. And then it's time for what it's all about. The fantasy playoffs. We've been with you guys every step of the way, Falcomaniacs, and all your hard work has led to this moment. Some teams are locked and loaded for their first playoff matchup or even a bye week. Some teams are trying to fight and keep their season alive, and some are already building for uh, 2022. Whatever 
your squad is up to, whatever you need, we're here for you guys. We're going to be here all offseason, but we're here right now, more importantly. So send us your fantasy football questions by email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com or leave us a voice message using the link in the episode description. Now is not the time to relax. You cannot max. You cannot relax, Falcomaniacs. It's more important than ever to remember your ABCs. Always be champion. Good luck with your waiver wire bids this week. We dropped a Roger Dorn reference, which is amazing. And don't forget to set your Falcon lineups. Woo! You know, what I was concerned about was uh, why you didn't come up with that grounder that Riker hit in the ninth. It was out of my reach. What do you want me to do, die for it?